It's Monday, December 3rd, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson here with a special bonus episode for you. In case you hadn't noticed, there is new urgency around the topic of climate in the aftermath of two recent bombshell reports warning of increasingly dire consequences if the world doesn't drastically reduce carbon emissions over what's shaping up to be an increasingly tight timeline. Now, In Pennsylvania and elsewhere, that means there's a flurry of new activity around various initiatives and proposals to confront the crisis at the state level. Since the Pennsylvania Environmental Council is actively involved in many of these conversations, we thought now would be a good time to pause and update our listeners on what's brewing and what the next few months could look like. To that end, I will now hand over the mic to PEC President David Woodwell and Senior VP for Legal and Government Affairs John Walliser. They'll provide a quick recap and some analysis of current and forthcoming state-level climate policy discussions. Enjoy. Today is December 3rd, 2018, and over the last two months, there's been a lot going on with relation to carbon. For PEC, this is something that we've been doing since about 2007 when we came out with the Climate Roadmap for Pennsylvania. Then, you know, 2009 in Pennsylvania, Marcellus Shale, unconventional gas, you know, sort of took all the air out of the room, and uh, people were focused on that for a number of years. But now it's really come back, and for us at PEC, it's been about two years looking hard at deep decarbonization of the electricity grid of electric generation and what that means for climate and our future. And we've continued to work on that following a March 2017 conference where we came out with white paper. And one of the big things that we came out with was an understanding that carbon pricing, putting a price on carbon, was critical to really getting to these deep cuts by 2050, by mid-century. And at that point, we were thinking maybe 80%. But since then, some things have happened, including the October 8th release or October release of the IPC, the International Panel on Climate Change from the UN, their special report showing that we have to act faster and for deeper cuts than we'd really thought. Uh, And that sort of set off a number of things that have gone over the last six weeks, including the National Climate Assessment, some are calling it the Black Friday report, uh, that came out from a number of federal agencies and lots of uh, federal scientists on November 23rd. And that really showed a lot of impacts for the U.S. coming up. We also have the DEP, Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection, Climate Action Plan, which is out for draft right now uh, that will be released soon. And today, December 3rd, the Auditor General has announced that he's going to have a press conference announcing the start of a special report on Pennsylvania's handling of climate and the fact that the federal government's not really doing much. So Pennsylvania's got to really figure out what it needs to do given all these impacts. At the same time, you've got City of Pittsburgh and City of Philadelphia working hard on a lot of resiliency adaptation and also looking at their energy uses. And there's a great podcast that Josh had put together that's on the PEC website that you can listen to about that. But then there's actual action happening. And I think a lot of things have been said about whether we're just talking about climate ad nauseum or whether something's really going to happen. And In Pennsylvania and nationally in the last week, uh, a number of things have happened. And you can actually go back to earlier last month when Washington State had a referendum on a carbon price that failed uh, at the ballot box. Uh, It was opposed by big money from some big oil folks. But uh, there are those who say that that was really because of specific aspects of that referendum. That remains to be seen. But at the federal level last week, the Citizen Climate Coalition Bill, also known as H.R. 7173 in Congress, the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act was introduced at the federal level. 
probably not much hope of it going forward too far, but it got introduced. And that same day, there was a petition introduced in Pennsylvania asking the Environmental Quality Board to do rulemaking to control carbon uh, emissions in Pennsylvania through an auction system, really a cap-and-trade system. The next day after that, the bicameral nuclear caucus in Pennsylvania came out with their report after a number of hearings over the last year looking at the fate of nuclear uh, installations in Pennsylvania and what happens there. The reason that's important for us at PEC is that we really think that there's an all-of-the-above need to use really every kind of generation in a low-carbon format to get us to those deep cuts that we need. And there are a lot of tools to get us there. Uh, right now, there are things out there like REGI, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative that a number of states belong to and that's being talked about. We have an alternative energy portfolio standard in Pennsylvania. There's also the possibility of a carbon adder. What does sort of a carbon fee look like? And we at PEC have been doing some modeling around that with some partners. And also probably the need for a clean energy standard, which really gets you to say you need to get to clean energy by 2050, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so what we wanted to do was really talk about a couple of those things briefly. And with me is the one who knows a lot more than I do about all this, John Walliser, also of PEC. So, John, what's this all mean? What's happening? Uh, so it means we have a lot to think about and possibly to work on in 2019. The bad pun, but this is sort of the perfect storm in terms of policy development. Uh, you have a significant changeover in the Pennsylvania General Assembly. You have a significant turnover at the federal level. Probably doesn't mean any difference in terms of what's going to happen at the federal level, meaning we're probably not going to see much. But here at the state level, um, you're, you're, you know, the, the General Assembly is facing down a $1.7 billion projected deficit. In 2019, you have these reports coming out. You have the nuclear energy industry sort of on edge and questioning whether they're going to remain viable in the near-term future. So a lot of fertile ground for things to happen. A lot of people, I think, are going to be talking about this EQB petition as one of the approaches. And it's also labeled as technologically agnostic, I guess is the way we're going to say this, as an all-of-the-above strategy. How does something like that work? Yeah, all in and all of the above because it really is an economy-wide issue. So this is a petition that's submitted to an administrative board that's known as the Environmental Quality Board, which has ultimate say over whether the Department of Environmental Protection regulates certain types of activities or not. So this is going to compel the Department of Environmental Protection to take a really hard look as to whether they can regulate greenhouse gas emissions in Pennsylvania. And it's predicated primarily on two bases. Uh, Number one, the Environmental Rights Amendment to Pennsylvania's Constitution, otherwise known as Article 1, Section 27, which says that Pennsylvania has an affirmative duty to protect natural resources and public health and safety. And it's also based on provisions in Pennsylvania's Air Pollution Control Act, which gives the Department of Environmental Protection the authority to regulate pollutants. And included in that, uh, according to the petition, includes greenhouse gas emissions. So this is going to be a pretty prolonged process. The Environmental Quality Board will take up review of this petition in 2019. There's going to be a bit of a back and forth between the Department of Environmental Protection and the petitioners over the substance. And then ultimately, DEP is going to have to recommend to the Environmental Quality Board whether they proceed with a regulation or not. If DEP does decide to proceed with a regulation, that's going to be a few more years of work by the department with public comment and certainly input by the General Assembly and other decision makers as to what that might look like. If DEP decides not to proceed with a regulation, that means it might go to the courts rather quickly 
and becomes a litigation matter. So the day after that, basically two days after that, the Nuclear Caucus came out with its report of findings from uh, the number of hearings that they'd held. And uh, full disclosure, again, Peck testified at one of those in June, and our testimony is available on our website, uh, in which case we called for a price on carbon and also stated that we felt that the nuclear fleet, the current nuclear fleet, really needed to stay in place because closing that would result in a major spike in emissions in Pennsylvania. But So what did the caucus say? So the report was really sort of one, a summation of all the, the testimony that they received in those series of hearings through 2018. And number two, it sort of laid out uh, a couple of different options as to how Pennsylvania might proceed from a policy perspective. The first, of course, is sort of the business as usual, which according to the report is going to lead to the near-term shutdown of at least two plants, Three Mile Island, uh, in the central part of the state and um, the first energy Beaver Valley plant out here in the western part of the state. And then probably not a very good prognosis for the other nuclear facilities in the next decade or so. The other options are a series of policy choices that could be done, including things like carving out a new tier in the alternative energy portfolio standards that Pennsylvania has for nuclear that would provide nuclear plants with some sort of monetary value or credit for the zero energy, um, I'm sorry, zero emission uh, credits that they, or energy that they generate, um, putting a price on carbon, or a really complex series of actions at uh, the Federal Energy Re- Regulatory Commission and the PJM um, that would provide some sort of social cost of carbon benefit to nuclear plants, which are pr- largely out of our control here at the state level. And PJM is essentially the grid. It's, it's the regional, it's the, it's the RTO, the regional transmission yeah. organization. That decides where the electrons that are letting you listen to this uh, come from, assuming you're in the PJM territory. So what's PEC doing? Where do we go from here? So we have our report, which came out in 2017, which you mentioned. Um, and since then, we've been having a series of roundtable discussions with a number of stakeholders over several findings out of that 2017 report, but most specifically on the notion of how do you price carbon or how do you get a better handle in sort of a technology agnostic and fair way, get a handle on greenhouse gas emissions from the electricity sector. So. We've heard a lot of good things. We're sort of taking that in now, and we're going to be putting out sort of our position on where we think Pennsylvania should go in 2019. Uh, stay posted. Yeah, and so all this stuff that's been happening in the last month, it's sort of shots at the log jam. I, I'm, we're still trying to figure out the right metaphor here, but it's like pushing that log jam of discussion, but nothing's breaking through yet. I mean, as you said, the EQB petition is at least a couple of years off to get rulemaking out of that. Federal bill is... It's a bipartisan shot in the federal legislature to keep going and I think possibly pushed also by the fact that because there's been this lack of federal work on this that's really fallen to the states to start looking and that may be scaring some folks who have national and multinational interests in the idea of maybe really looking at trying to get one carbon price, one carbon policy that fits everybody. Yeah, and and even though if something does happen at the state level, it's not going to be something relatively straightforward and clean. There's going to be a a number of pieces to it, everything from revisiting the alternative energy portfolio standards, which plateau in 2021, a lot of energy demand response and conservation measures, including those that were in Act 129. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces to this, so it's not going to be easy. So stay tuned. We just want to take this chance to try to get out there and do a quick update because all of this really had happened over the last month or so. 
And clearly, it, you know, today's Monday, December 3rd, and in three hours after we do this, there's going to be another piece of the pie going. So this podcast will be out of date as soon as you hear it. So keep checking back and looking for more information. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.